Hello, listeners and viewers. Welcome back with your two favorite co-hosts. I'm Martina, and this is Lisette. And welcome to our wonderful YouTube and our podcast channel, which is known as Perspectives. Um, so we are back this week, uh, still with our wonderful guests. Uh, we'll kick it over to him in a little bit to continue um, our, our conversation from, from last time. So just want to remind everyone, if you haven't listened, if you haven't watched the video, please go do so. It's a really good conversation. We didn't expect anything less. We know today will be another good conversation. Um, I think that's it for me. I'm going to shut up and pass it to Lisette to say what she needs to do. <laughs> it's for Tina. Uh, but yeah, I think I'm just, you know, really just excited to continue the conversation. I know we are, you know, focusing on, you know, nonprofit leaders, but I think something that came up uh, at the, the last episode was really around, you know, building uh, on Black and Brown relationships, particularly here in Chicago, which um, if you are from Chicago, if you know anything about Chicago, it is one of the most segregated cities uh, in, in the country. And as someone that's, you know, born and raised here, uh, I didn't realize it until I left my community how segregated Chicago really is, because you're so used to being in your own bubble and sort of like, oh, this is my community. It's, you know, there's some mixture here and there. And then you kind of go out into the expand and you see the difference between the South side and the you know West side. And you look at the North side is a whole other world to me right. <laughs> as, as a South sider. Um, so I think, you know, I know, Luis, you you mentioned a little bit about working in that realm and, and that being something a focus uh for you and, and really wanting to bring that up and I think you know digging into that and what that kind of looks like um from your perspective as you know as a community leader as someone who leads a uh a, a nonprofit that you know really focuses obviously on, on Latinos progresando like you know it's in the name but I'd love to just hear a little bit about some things that maybe you you're you're doing or that you're you're working on to really kind of bridge some of that relationship building particularly in a space that is you know if you again if you know Chicago you know where Little Village is at there's that North Lawndale South Lawndale kind of divide which really in my opinion as an outsider it's all Lawndale I think you know I think a lot of people say like hey it should be one Lawndale but it really isn't and I know you're in that space uh, a, lot, a lot of times for your work so just want to kick it off to you and then just kind of dig in into that and then see where the conversation takes us today. Yeah, thank you so much. And, uh, you know, I know we, we get to have conversations outside of the recording. So just to give people who are watching um, uh, kind of one of the things that we talked about was also getting one of our partners out here, Carlos Nelson, who runs the Greater Auburn Gresham Development Corporation and has been one of my biggest partners in, in working on this issue of bringing the Black and the Mexican community together in the city of Chicago. So my hope is that at some point we'll, I'll get invited back and maybe Carlos gets an invitation as well. and We can have a conversation between the two of us because I think oh, for sure. obviously having the perspective of, of two of the people in the city who are doing a lot of this work would be really cool. Um, from my perspective, you know, Lizeth, you, you talked a little bit about how there is some neighborhoods are now starting to see some, you know, it, they're a little bit different, right? So when I grew up in Little Village, for example, there was Polish people, very small group of Polish people, but everyone else was Mexican. Everyone else was Mexican. And so I didn't meet anybody who was Black until I went to high school. And that is an absolute tragedy. I, it's something that we want to change. And, you know, the 
the crazy thing about that too is that when I talk to people that are in my generation, whether they're black or Mexican, they have the same, they say the same thing. I was talking to somebody from the South side and she was telling me, you know what? I grew up in this neighborhood and you know, we lived here and the Mexican community was down there and I never went there and I didn't meet a Mexican until I went to high school. And I was like, yeah, it's, it unfortunately has been happening for a very long time. It's starting to get better, but it is nowhere near where it needs to be. And so as a result of that, there are a couple of initiatives that I've been a part of and I've been blessed to be a part of um, in the work that we do. You're right, Latinos Progresando, we do a lot of work around Latino issues and specifically we have focused on Mexican community, although we do serve the entire Latino community. Um, but, you know, we're, we're in, in South Lawndale right now and, you know, in my work here, I also run a collaborative called the Marshall Square Resource Network. And so the Marshall Square Resource Network is a collaborative of about 45 organizations that come together on different issues, health, education, peace, uh, community response. And we figure out ways that we can all work together to address these issues, but bring resources to, to the people that live in our community. Well, it's, you can't do that without North Lawndale because we're, we're right we're right here, we're neighbors. And so, you know, really looking at the work that we've been doing, it started off kind of in our health committee. Uh, Sinai Hospital is on Ogden and California, and they're a huge partner of ours. And, you know, their footprint expands into the entire Southwest side. So they're on our health committee. And through these relationships, right, whether it's uh, either our health committee work or our peace committee work, and some of the artists in the neighborhood that have been working on this, we start to see these we start to see that we have kind of the same issues that we've been working on. We start to see that we're all fighting for the same things. We start to see that there's a lack of resources in, in, in both neighborhoods. And so I ended up reaching out to a couple of folks in North Lawndale. Uh, Tanisha House was one of them. She was the first person probably I spoke to in North Lawndale about this topic. And then shortly thereafter, Rodney Brown from NLCCC and you know, started to talk about these this border that that exists between our communities and how we need to make that disappear. And so how do we start thinking about one Lawndale instead of a North Lawndale and a South Lawndale? And it, it really just started with conversation and then, you know, started bringing a couple people together to have these conversations to understand that, you know, this is something that was done by design and not our design. It happened before we were even here. And but what can we do to start walking in the path of changing it? And the first thing that we decided to do was just like get to know each other. So we was like, let's, let's just hang out. Let's just talk, hmm. see what's going on. And then we decided to have a, a cookout together. So we had a lawn, one Lawndale cookout. We did it at Douglas Park, you know, brought out some music from both sides of the neighborhood, food from both sides of the neighborhood. We didn't know agendas, bring your grills. We'll, we'll bring some stuff, you bring some stuff. And we'll just hang out and start to get to know each other. And that's really how we started. And that, and then from there, things kind of grew. And, um, you know, last year we had a one long summer where we had four events. Um, we have advocated with some of our funders to bring resources to NLCCC and North Lawndale. And we've been successful in doing that. And likewise, uh, NLCCC has called us up and said, hey, we, we, you know, we were advocating for this funding and we included you all. So they've shared funding with us, we've shared funding with them. And then um, through this work, Sinai 
is starting their Ogden Commons project, which is a project that's going to build two centers on Ogden. And then there's going to be housing attached to that. But really the first um, kind of building that they put up, it just went up. We just had the opening. They asked me to be a co-chair. They asked Rodney from LCCC to be a co-chair. So we're co-chairs of the uh, Ogden Commons uh, Community Council. And so through that, we were talking about the experiences that you wanted to have going into this space at Sinai and how they can be more welcoming to the community. But as always, our, we're always talking about one Lawndale and it's not just about this, but how do we help each other out in these other areas? The beautiful thing about it too, is that Sinai was all in on it. And um, so this year we opened up the one Lawndale Outpatient Center, which is super cool because it's, it's about that concept about one community. And then we're also working with some folks that are opening up the one Lawndale Children's Museum mm -hmm. in North Lawndale. So it, it has been catching on over the years. And, you know, we all know what happened with the murder of George Floyd and how tension started to build throughout the city. I mean, it, it was it went from civil disobedience into something that was way deeper than that. Um, and so because we had such a good relationship with with NLCCC, we started to have conversations about bringing peace in our area and that went really well. But then that also led to a conversation with the Greater Auburn uh, development corporation. You know, I, I'm a big believer in like, you have to show up in spaces. You can't just talk about it. So, um, when, when all this, uh, civil unrest started to happen, I, we were having some issues be between the Mexican, and the black community. Like I said, here in Longdale, we were working through that with NLCCC, but there were also issues on the South side and, 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 and South Longdale. And so I called up my man, Carlos Nelson, uh, and I called up Yvette and some other people from South Shore Works. And I said, you know what, I wanna come down, volunteer for your food pantries. So I went out to volunteer at the food pantry at Auburn Gresham, and I went out and volunteered at the um, food pantry in South Shore. And, um, you know, we started to have conversations about, you know, there's so many examples of our communities coming together and helping each other out and successes, but that's not really talked about. The narrative is always about tension and tension and tension. And Carlos and I are like, man, but we've done this and we've done that together. And we all of these things that should be highlighted that never are. And we were talking about that. We were also talking about how for the first time, at least in my career, um, there was funding available to do the work with very little restrictions. So when COVID hits, you know, there was, I think a, a lot of people in our communities were scared that philanthropy and corporate America were going to react and government in a sense, we're going to react. I, I kind of lumped them all together. That's not completely fair, but just because I, I lump, I'm lumping them together for the sake about, of talking about funding. Yeah. But you know, when the recession hits in 2008 and 2009, shortly thereafter, there's this sense coming to smaller organizations from philanthropy that there's too many nonprofits in the city of Chicago. And so they start to try to merge some of these organizations or, you know, and so you start to see that when COVID hit, a lot of people were, were feeling we were afraid of COVID and you were afraid of what funding was going to mean for your organization during this time. And I think that philanthropy, corporate American government really came through for our communities with flying colors. I mean, there was 
such an emphasis on trusting the neighborhood organizations. There was a big emphasis on like, do the work, we'll come up with funding for you to do it. And the reporting requirements and application requirements were not as stringent as we had seen in the past. And so Carlos and I are talking about how do we, how do we alleviate these tensions? How do we lift up these great examples? And why can't funding always be like this? Why can't we trust black and brown leaders? Why can't we provide general operating support? Why does it have to be so complicated of an application? Why does reporting have to be so complicated? And so we put all in the pot. Oh, and then the last thing is that I started Latinos Progresando and Carlos, he didn't start it, but he was like their second executive director very early on in the process. So he basically built that organization up to what it is today. And the hurdles that we saw during our life in nonprofit that you had to jump through when you're, a, you're, you're an organization or you're a person that's trying to do good for your community and how difficult it is to, to increase your budget over time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Carlos and I are like, we want to make sure that it is easier for people who want to do good for their community or who have started a nonprofit it's easier for them than it was for us to get to the point that we are. And so we put all that in the pot, mixed it up, and we came up with the Accelerator Fund. Um, and that's a five-year initiative to raise $10 million uh, to fund Mexican-led and Black-led organizations in Chicago. And then we're bringing them together to talk about how we are one community and it shouldn't be us versus them. It should be how do we all do, do well and do well for our city. So... Those are, I, I've talked a lot, but those are some of the <laughs> things that I'm working on. No, I think everything that you've shared are, are things that, like on our channel and those that have been listening to us, we've talked about, you know, that is necessary. I think people sometimes forget the power of just talking to each other mm -hmm. and, you know, and listening and having those conversations, even if they're hard, like, you know, it, it, it's not none of these are easy topics none of these are things that are going to be solved you know tomorrow or you know the next day uh but i think the one thing that i loved is you know you, you're saying like we got to know each other right like that's the fundamental thing like you have to know each other you have to sort of listen to each other's experience and what we go through and sometimes uh i feel that we just assume uh of what one another is and and some of that is you know things that were done by design you know we, we live in a in the in a society that definitely you you understand that white supremacy reigns in a lot of our systems and a lot of our neighborhoods and the design that is Chicago was built for a reason right like as you mentioned you know it's it's by design not by something that we create I mean I think about where I live and these fake borders that you're just like well I know if I go that way on Kedzie that's not where I should be. Or if I go on West. You grew up in Chicago, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm like? Yeah, I'm like, I'm not gonna go that way. Or you know, I'm not going that way after 9 p.m. because I shouldn't be and that's like so it's all these like kind of things that um that as you were talking, were just like, I was like, yep, that was that's exactly how I felt, or those are things that I've kind of experienced, you know, growing up here. So, you know, I think it's 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 great to hear that you're building sort of these relationships across the city too because I think a lot of the times that's a piece that's missing you might be able to build something with like your neighboring you know neighborhood or community but it's so important especially as a city of Chicago and you know in other similar cities 
to like reach across and sort of see and bridge those gap between south and like the west side and all these different because you know you did say something like a lot of the times once you start listening and you start hearing people's experiences and I think Martina and I through this channel and this podcast we've heard so many people share a lot of the same things even people that are from other states you know in other parts of the country have like and I'm like whoa like there are so many things and so much collective power that I think we're missing out on uh by not listening to each other and, and sort of hearing each other out yeah, I think there's this other kind of awesome truth too when they when you're able to open yourself up to to something like this is that you get an opportunity to learn. Like I've learned so much from Rodney and Sheila and Deborah and Norma and you know and these are brothers and sisters in North Lawndale and in and and in Auburn Gresham and I'm like I've learned so much from them because I took the opportunity to go and sit there and, and, and participate. And it is such a big lesson for me. And, and now, you know, I was hanging out in Auburn Gresham for, for Carlos. He just opened up his community center. I was out there Friday night. Um, one second, send to voicemail. My phone is ringing. I apologize y'all. Uh, but no, really? I'm like, it popped up on my screen. I'm like, I can't see y'all. But you know, I'm hanging out down there listening to house music on Friday night. And it is not just have I learned so much from them as people and as leaders, but like, I get to hang out in Auburn Gresham on Friday night and listen to house music. And that was something that a year ago, I wasn't doing two years ago, I wasn't doing now I feel like I go down there and visit my people all the time now. So (laughs) And, 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 you know, and then we're sharing, we're sharing ideas, we're sharing resources. I mean, it, the, your world just opens up. And so, you know, it's just been a beautiful experience. And I think that, you know, once you, once you, you start walking that path and you truly are there and you show up and you're present and you come with your heart open and you want to learn, I mean, now we have so many ideas, we don't have enough time on the planet to do all of the wonderful things we want to do together. And that, again, that's just a blessing. You know, I think for me, uh, I was not born in in Illinois. I was born in the South, born and raised in Mississippi. And I came up here uh, almost seven, eight years ago when I came for graduate school. And I will say, I'll be honest, I did not fully do my due diligence and like research in the city and learn about Chicago. So coming where I come from in Mississippi, which I don't have to say too much more. We know it's, we know it's Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And I will say something like when I first came here, I think I was a little taken back by the segregation of the city. Again, because I, I didn't know that for me coming from Mississippi, I thought coming to Chicago, like everybody's getting along, you know, like this is the third largest city in the world. It's supposed to be this big melting pot. And in some ways it is. But as I was in graduate school and started to work in nonprofit and work in the communities, particularly on the West Side, and that's how I ended up meeting Lissette, um, I learned it was not all sunshine and rainbows, but that it could be. And to me, it was very eye-opening because that's just something, again, when I came here, I didn't know that that was, that that was something, that there was this segregation across, I think particularly us of color, us, us Black and Brown, because as you've been talking, Luis, we have so many similarities. I mean, just as many differences, 
Um, and when I think about how white supremacy has like played a role instrumentally and intentionally in separating us, um, I really love to hear you talk about this, this united front that we have. And that's one thing kind of going back to what you said, said about, you know, when we started this podcast and started this channel, you know, that was two things that we realized. We had a black woman with a Mexican woman. And again, one of the first things we did, we did, uh, we did an interview with each other and we learned about each other. We did like this two part series where, you know, we talked about me growing up in Mississippi coming here. We talked about Lisette being a native growing up Mexican, what that means and being, you know, both Mexican and being American. And it really just kind of brought us closer together in a sense where we really, as, as we're saying, listening and understanding each other. And I wish that the rest of our people, I think we'll get there, but I just want us to continue to see, you know, a lot of the things that we're fighting against with each other, these are things that have just been part of the system and that we need to have these conversations. And Lisette, you said it like, these can be really tough conversations and these could, you know, can be some ugly things said, but I think, you know, we need to have these conversations because we need to understand where we're coming from and realizing how much we have in common because we're both trying to have the same thing, you know? And just, again, I just, I love the work that you're doing, just uniting just black and, and brown people across the city and particularly on the West and South side, because again, I just think there's just, you know, it's been a shame and, you know, and particularly what we see on the news sometimes is not always the positive. And so again, love that you're bringing all the positive things that are happening and that people can see. Yeah, there's like really good work happening in this city and work that you are trying to do to, to push forward. So applause. Yeah, and you know, the, 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 the awesome thing about all of it too is that the more that you do this type of work and I'm sure you two see it, you realize that there's more and more people that, that think like we do. There are more and more people that that understand, and and a lot of times they run into people that are like, "Wow, I'm I'm doing the same thing over here," and, and so the movement is growing. I, you know, unfortunately, again, it's not always what headlines, right? Yeah. And so that to me is still the unfortunate part. But when anywhere anywhere you go in the city of Chicago, and I would say black, brown, white, anywhere you go you find allies to this cause of thinking about a city that is working together rather than like breaking us up into different neighborhoods or to different groups of people to say, you know, you get yours, I'll get mine. So, you know, we, we definitely still have work to do. I'm, I'm by no means saying we're done, but it's inspiring to see that, that it's happening in a lot of places. And then it's even more inspiring to see that young people, they don't see the way the world they don't see the world the way that some of my elders and I saw the world, you know, because we came into this world at a different time. And, you know, like I said, growing up in our neighborhood, we had a couple Polish kids in grammar school, maybe, maybe three or four, and that was it. Everybody else was Mexican. And so, you know, the newer generations are like, internet all, all kinds of other things they're just like man we're we're citizens of the world right and there's there's a different perspective and there are resources for everyone and so it it is time sometimes look hard but i think you know if you see even progressing from when i grew up to now we have taken steps forward so 
you know, I, my hope is that we just, and that I can do my part to continue and, and maybe take it one step further than, than the way I found it, you know? One thing that I have for you, Luis, as someone, you know, who, who's Mexican, right, and who's a community leader, how how do you work within the, the Mexican community, particularly when it comes to building that? Because I know, I mean, particularly now you see, you know, with um, Wakanda Forever who came out, you have the North Huerta in the forefront and you go back to some of the Mexican media and I've been hearing it because, you know, my mom will be watching TV and I'm like, yeah. what's going on? And, you know, and, and there's this, you know, idea of like colorism. It, it exists, like can't deny it. It exists uh, within a lot of our, our Latin American countries, but you and I are Mexican, so we'll stick to the Mexican. I'm a, I'm a dark Mexican too. Yeah. And I think, you know, and how... How do you approach that as, you know, as you're kind of having these conversations of building, you know, black and brown, you know, relationships? And I think that's something that we need to address, right? And we need to sort of, because, you know, our parents and, you know, those that, you know, are coming from, from Mexico might have these really, like, nasty thoughts about, you know, black people and then what that, what it means. And I, I wouldn't, you know what, it's not just black people, right? It is, it is yeah. darker Mexicans. Yeah. Look at like it from, right? darker so, skin. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's the, that's you know, the they're, and they're all hard conversations to have, but I can tell you how I've approached it with my family, my friends. I'm just like, I, I approached it very directly. Mm. You know, I just called it out. You know, like I've said, like, if you go to Mexico and you, you turn on a television you do not see, or you look at a billboard, you do not see dark-skinned people on TV. You do not see dark-skinned people on billboards. And I have those conversations with my family and tell them about how, how bad I think that is. I also celebrate who I am. You know, I'm like, I try to get as dark as I can during the summer, man. I love the sun, right? So I'm always trying to get dark. And I remember uh, I, there was a visitor from Mexico and he was, he was like, what are you doing? I said, man, I'm trying to get maroon because I'm like, when I get real dark, I get maroon. And that's like, and he's like, no, nobody wants to do that. I'm like, yes, people want to do that. This is, you know, and so it's, it's about showing pride in who, who I am and, and feeling that pride and then openly talking about it. And if somebody says something to me or around me, I'm very direct about what I think and, and what is cool and what isn't cool. I don't know that I'm changing the world or I may not even change that person's mind right there, but I'm hoping I'm influencing some people and I know I'm not trying to hear that conversation in front of me, right? So there are just different ways that you have to have to address those issues. But, you know, I've been talking about that with my family because I grew up as a dark Mexican and I've seen it firsthand. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And uh, kudos for calling it out. I think a lot of times people don't want to call it out don't want to address it particularly within your own family like there's this whole idea of like hey you gotta respect your elders and that's it. yeah I mean I do and I, I love my my elders and I respect them right but there's some stuff that like you know you you also have to have respect yeah. right and so again right and then I don't know I think I was blessed in just being a dark dark Mexican because it's such a beautiful color. I look, I look at it. I'm like, man, this is beautiful. Like, everybody wants to be a little bit darker, I think. But I mean, I mean, how many people are out here tanning and tanning, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, I, love I, it. I will say within again within the Hispanic community, um, 
this is something that we've talked about because Lisette, yeah. I, I believe early on in the podcast, maybe like back in 2020, I didn't realize how big colorism was within the community. I mean, I know I just said, you know, Hispanic lumping everybody together, but specifically in the Mexican community. And then, you know, I thought about my colleagues that I've worked with in the past who are from different, uh, from different uh, Hispanic heritage. And even, even in their home countries, they were like, oh yeah, like in, in Colombia, they were no, like- oh, I've had people tell me that, you know, in, in certain parts of Latin America, in certain professions, if you're a darker person, they wouldn't hire you. Yeah. You know, this is, these are some of my elders. They're like, and I think for them, you internalize that, right? If you're, if you know you're qualified or if you know, and then you're, you're saying that, well, we're not getting the job because I'm a darker skin than somebody else. That's horrible. And that's a horrible one as an industry, you're losing out, but two, it's just horrible to do to a person. And then how do you internally deal with that? I mean, that's a difficult thing, but you know, you, it's hard. It's a very hard thing. And I, you know, as we're talking now, I'm, I'm thinking back um, on a number of things. Uh, I went to go see this play the other day. Um, what's it called? What to send up when it goes down. Did you ever see that? No, who, who I, haven't heard, no I haven't heard of that. Actually. I don't want to get the name wrong. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm looking it up really quickly. Uh, let me see. I haven't heard about, I haven't heard it. No, to send up when it goes down. If you have not seen it, I don't even know if it's still if it's still going. But I went to go see it at Looking Glass Theater. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, look it up. I'm I'm trying to find the name, but I I'm not finding it quickly enough, and I feel bad because we're interviewing. Here we go. You're good. Alexandria Mormon. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, there's a whole long list of this, but it's not telling me because it wasn't look, it's Congo Square. Yeah. Produced by Congo Square. I did, wanted to get the name right. Produced by Congo Square. But if you go see that, you should go see that play. I don't, I don't know if it's, they're still running it. But man, what a beautiful performance. What a crazy message. And, and the way that, you know, you see that play and you walk o- away for weeks, like you're replaying that the play in your mind. And, you know, the play really talks about uh, it's a play for black people and allies. And even though I'm not a black person, though, I related to so much of the stuff that was coming out because I'm like, I have experienced that going into spaces. Right. And, and in philanthropy and in nonprofit, you experience that all the time you know and so and then particularly me I for me when I started like things with Asando I had the, the triple whammy of like I was a kid you know so I was really young I was a dark Mexican and I was I was just starting this organization and so you know I'm seeing this play and I'm like in my head just going back to all of these experiences that I've had that I've had to fight through to get to where I am but just a phenomenal piece. And I think more plays like, like that need to be written and need to be produced. And, you know, I, I wish I was rich because that, that's one of the things that I would do is be like, I would pay for this play to, to be in every neighborhood in the city of Chicago. Um, so fantastic. Again, if you, if you get a chance to see it, if not, reach out to Congo Square and let them know that they should put it out a little bit more and just phenomenal, phenomenal play. Yeah, well, it looks like it's still it's still on yeah. on there. 
Yeah, oh, well, yeah, it's what to send up when it goes down. Yes. I found it. Yeah, check that out. I think that's a really cool piece. But it does, it talks about some of these issues um, that you that we deal with. And, and in particular, like I said, it really does um, talk to what's going on in the Black community in our country or what has been going on and, and some of the issues that Black uh, black Americans deal with, and um, you know, as a person who is not black, you you're still part of the of the struggle. You're still part of the fight, but you understand that you know there's just some things where you have to be there and support and love and share, and you know, it's a really deep piece. So, yeah, definitely check it out. I think what's interesting is kind of understanding, uh, you know, race, ethnicity. Uh, in the United States versus outside of the United States and how, you know, you could, you could also be a, you know, a light skinned Latino or Mexican and, and still experience so much of the barriers and things just because you might have curly hair, your last yeah. name, your first name, there's so much to it that, you know, you, 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 there's such a spectrum of just experiences of being, you know, uh, you know, a minority in this country and you're just like and there's so many things that you can relate to and some things that you're like oh they'll never understand and sometimes you're like well I can understand to a point right? right like I can understand to a point and I can definitely be there and I think it's finding those instances that I think just connects us all and like I said I think we we miss out on so much collective you know learning and collective power and just building each other up because we we get so gung-ho on like well I have it worse. These oppression Olympics that tend to ha happen a lot of the times of like, well, we've had it worse. I know we've had it worse. So we have it worse yeah. now. Well, I, I mean, that gets into, yeah. it, it gets into spaces that are not productive, but it, you know, this topic in itself, I mean, I think we, you need like two more shows to even start to scratch the surface. And yes. I feel like as I'm talking, I'm bouncing from here to there because I'm getting so many, there's so many things to share. And, you know, to your point is that, you know, when I started, I remember when I started Latinos Progresando, um, you know, after after people started to get to know us a little bit or get to know the organization a little bit, I remember there were, and, and, well, I, I guess I'm going to rewind. This is why I'm saying there's so much, right? I think there is a, a lot that you as a person or I as a person, I want to speak for other people, that I as a person had to do in order to build myself up internally to understand that I am the person who defines who I am, not anybody else. And so when I first started LP and we started to get known, um, it was interesting because I, I had a, you know, when you first start a nonprofit organization, you have to have a board. And so the first board you usually get is anybody who shows up. You know, I'm like, hey, show up, you're on the board. All right, let's go. And then, it, and, and then your board kind of progresses, you know, you you start getting into, we were doing a lot of work around the DREAM Act. Back then it was the Student Adjustment Act. We were doing DREAM Act work. And so then I needed to get people on my board that were experts on the topic that would help me figure out not just policy, but advocacy. And I had this, uh, this guy on my board who's still a good friend of mine, white guy. And we would go to meetings or we would go to events or whatever. And uh, people knew who Latinos Presando was, but they didn't know who I was. And so they would literally push me out of the way to go talk to the white guy because people would say, oh, Latinos Presando's over there, right? So they would literally push me out of the way to go talk to my friend who was on the board who was a white guy. And he would listen and he's like, 
oh, the guy who started the organization is the guy you just pushed to come talk to me. And then suddenly they'd be like super nice to me, right? And I was always like, eh. So I remember I was saying this to some of my relatives, right? About how I thought that wasn't fair. And you know, it was me 25 years old, 26 years old at the time. And mm-hmm. so one of my relatives is telling me, you know, well, it's because you don't dress right or something. Right? You got to wear a tie and you got to look serious. And my argument with him is like, what does it matter what I look like? And what does it matter what I dress like? You should, if, I, if I'm intelligent and I can have a conversation with you and I can show you that I'm doing good work, it shouldn't matter what I'm wearing. I should be able to show up in a hoodie. No, 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 no. So then I decided, you know what, I'm going to let my hair grow. So I, so I let my hair grow. I had my hair down to here. And I was like, yeah. you know, because I'm like, I, I personally needed to fight against that. Right. So that was my personal way of saying like, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to have, I'm not going to dress up and wear a tie mm-hmm. because that's the only way that you take me serious. We have yeah. to, we have to break, break these crazy habits that we've created for ourselves in society. Like, we need to approach people where they are and, and who they are, and we need to work with them from there. And so I had my hair long for, for a couple of years at LP. There's a couple of pictures out there of me <laughs> hanging out. Um, we'll have to find them. <laughs> they, you know what? They just used one in the, vid- in the last video they put out at our event. And so I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but, you know, it's these experiences that you have, right? Like I was literally pushed out the way so that somebody can, not once, a number of times, because somebody wanted to talk to Latinos Presando and they saw, you know, my man who they knew was on the board and they just, you know, kind of, I was just some young, dark Mexican kid that they needed to get through to go talk to the guy who was really running things. And, and, I, and I'll tell you, that was another conversation that I had, or, or I, I didn't, a lot of people didn't have it directly with me, but especially in the first 10 years where everybody wanted to know who was actually running Latinos Presando. Because it couldn't mm-hmm. be me. You know what I mean? Like, right. who was the guy behind the scenes, right? And who was the person behind the scenes that was actually running the organization? Because it couldn't be a kid from Little Village, you know, doing yeah. it on his own. So all of that stuff, right? But internally, you can let that eat you up and you can get into that mindset of like, well, you didn't suffer as much as I did. Or, you know, you can try to build yourself up to say like, you know, life is going to give me all of these obstacles to go through. Right. If I can learn, you know, in, on my own who I am and believe in myself and trust myself and approach the world the way that I want to see it, then you know what? All that's going to continue to come, but I'm going to continue to build. And, and every step that I take, I find two or three other people who think like me that want this world to be a better place and they want to treat people well for who they are, not what they look like, not how much money they have but for the things that they want to do or the people who they are. And, and, you know, it, you just, that's where my focus has been. I I don't tend to say that I have the answer for the whole thing. Right. But that's just been my approach. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to make one statement. I I, I know we have to wrap up soon, but. Oh man, it's three o'clock already. I know, right? How did this happen? One well, thing Lissette and I talk about is how often as a society, people are put into boxes. And it's exactly what you were put into a box of what they thought you were going to look like, your age and everything down the list. And we often seen how that, it's still something that is happening to this day. And it's been great to hear an example of how you kind of 
thought outside of that box. You're like, look, I'm about to grow my hair. I'm growing my hair. I'm not going to wear a tie. I don't have to wear this. This is my business. This is what I love doing. This is my heart. And I think, again, that's just something that we hope, well, for me, I would say, and I think, let's say, I can speak for you on this one, too. If people just okay. continue to seeing people outside of a box, and I think particularly us, it can be it can be our own people. It can be the black and the brown people. We putting each other into a box. And I think, you know, a lot of it starts with us. Yes. Um, and before we can help, help and help, help other people to see. Um, and so hopefully by people listening to this, realizing that uh, it can start with you. That's yeah, absolutely. It, it all does start with you, you know, yeah. and, and I think there's, um, again, a pro one of the reasons I have so much respect for people like Carlos Nelson and Rodney and Deborah, you know, all the folks that we work with is that, you know, they're so talented. They can leave today and go get a job somewhere in corporate America, make money, leave the hood, you know, live that life. And nothing wrong with that. I mean, God bless people who've been able to do that, but they they, they've chosen to take their skills and keep them in the neighborhood and keep building. And, and, and so, even though they've all faced a version of what I've talked about, we all have that story one way or another. But like, you know, there's this group of people who have decided that we're going to break out of those boxes. We're going to keep the talent in our neighborhoods. And we're going to look at all of us as people rather than as like, you know, you're that community, you're that community. We're, we're all just one big family. And some of us haven't found ourselves yet but we're still out there looking and I'm sure we're all going to be getting together and hopefully we'll be listening to some house music. Yes. Yes. Love me some house music. But with that, Luis, thank you so much for, for another great conversation for bringing that. And, and, and I love the fact that you're like, you know, what a leader or a, you know, executive director, CEO has to look like is not, it's not formed by other people's opinions. It's not formed by what society has sort of deemed is the right way to be as a leader. Uh, I know we've talked about about that in the past. So um, you'll definitely be back. You are part of the oh. Perspectives family. So you'll be back because I definitely want to continue having more conversations with you and everybody else you mentioned that you were talking about. Those are all names that we'll have to bring and be part of the conversation. So Thank you again. Thank you for those that are listening or, or watching. Um, you know, make sure you go back and watch the first part if you haven't. Uh, but, you know, make sure you're following us so you get notified when all of the these great episodes are, are coming out live. Uh, but, you know, here's to, you know, hopefully building better relationships within our communities and really bringing um, our voices to the forefront, you know, and, and together, you know, at, at the end of the day, I think we'll, we'll make it through. So again, thank you, Luis. Uh, and we uh, will talk to you and see you next time, everyone. Thank you.